Welcome back, guys. This is Encounter with God here on Faith FM as we get into our Bible study. Mon, do you have another clue for our quiz? Hasn't been snapped up yet. Rather, and I this do. This is a really cool prize, too. Yeah, it's a really nice prize. I'm kind of tempted to sit here and color it in myself, but <laughs> I'll be restrained. 365 myself. Promises from God, <laughs> coloring in book. Yeah, it's a be- it's a beautiful size as well. It's like a square. Um, it's thick, but it is like a, a more like a travel size one. So it's really nice. Um, you could easily slide this into. Your I'm going on a road trip today. Oh, you are. There. I'm off you to, can't win this prize. I'm going to the beach. Oh, really? Yeah, I love the beach. Which beach? Because a road trip to the nearest beach would be a very very short road trip. <laughs> Evans Head. It's about seven hours away. I have no idea where that is, but I hope you have a fun time. I've never it. been there. I've seen signs for it, but I've never oh. been there, so I'm really looking forward to it. Oh, what's the occasion? Uh, church camp up there. Lismore uh, Adventist Church is holding a camp there. So, oh, nice. Uh, the guest speaker. And can, can our listeners go visit? If you're in the Evans Head area, please do. Okay. Sounds like fun. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> I hope you have a wonderful weekend up there, but this is the next clue for our quiz. <clears throat> All right. What do we got? So what creature am I? <clears throat> Sorry. Samson slew 1,000 Philistines with the jawbone of this critter. Mm. Whose jawbone was Samson using? Give us a call, 1-800-FAITH-FM, 1-800-324-843. And, of course, we'll send you this colouring in book, the one that's got God's promises all the way through. Beautiful little book. Yep. There you go. What kind of animal was that? Imagine picking up a jawbone and using that as a club. I'm so nervous right now, Lyle. Please stop talking about the quiz. (laughs) I was just going to talk about bad words, but we won't go there. Yeah, I'd really love it if you guys didn't talk about this. (laughs) It's been a while since you've accidentally given away the answer, and I feel like we're due for another one. Uh, Well, we'll see. (laughs) Let's jump into our 20 million movement. It has been that kind of week, though, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's definitely been that kind of week. For both would, of us, it would suit this. It would suit this week. Uh, this week is a bit of a write off um, <laughs> for the quiz clue to be given away. All right, let's go to First John. I'm going to read this one. Yes, go on. First John, you look it up. I'm going to read it. First John. <clears throat> First John chapter two. First John chapter two. This is where we start today. First John chapter two, and we're going to start reading in verse two. First John chapter two and verse two <clears throat> is my favourite word in the Bible. That's why I'm going to read it, because you won't have this word. Go on, go on. The Bible says, And he is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. There you got it, Mon. Yeah, you're right. Mine, mine doesn't say that at all. No, I was pretty confident that yeah. your, yours would not say that. All right, so what does the word... I, don't, I think this is actually the only translation that does say that, pretty much, in English. Um, maybe some of the older other English translations, like, I don't know, Geneva Bible or something. But, uh, yes, the propitiation. You'll find that five times in the King James Version. What does that mean? I have no idea, and I can't Google fast enough to make myself sound smart, so tell me. (laughs) (laughs) It simply means atonement. Oh, okay. And atonement simply is a composite word that simply means at one one mint. Yep. He is the one that takes away our sins, makes us at one with God, um, and brings about atonement. It also uh, carries with it the concept of making peace. He is the peacemaker for our sins. So, propitiation. Yes. Uh, atonement. Yeah. What does it say in your translation? Okay, so it was First John 2 verses... Verse 2. Verse 2. He himself is the sacrifice that atones for our sins, and not only our sins, but the sins of all the world. 
I feel like even atonement itself is beginning beginning to become a bit of an old word. This is true, but yeah. atonement is easy to explain. Yeah, yeah. Atonement was a word that was invented in the 16th century when the uh, Bible was being translated into English and they had no English word for atonement. Mm-hmm. And so what they did was they invented this word by... Um, by, by combining the words, combining three words. That's such a German one, thing to do. <laughs> at one mint. Mm-hmm. How do you get on with uh, Swiss German? Very, yeah. Well, not not hugely great. Because when I see it written and you talk about combining words, mm-hmm. they seem way more combined than what yeah. German words yeah. are. Yeah, Deutsch. It's Germans considered to be the crazy German. <laughs> 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 yes, I'm sure that probably goes both ways. Yeah. So when, when I see it, when I see it written down, it's like it's the words seem to be way longer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it so. just like messes with my head. <laughs> At one minute, I guess we would have thought that was pretty long when we first invented that one, but yeah, it's. Yeah, anyway, yeah. This, is, uh, this is our word right here, at one minute, and it, uh, yes, it's not a commonly used word, but it's an easy one to explain, made at one. So for some reason, uh, we have been separated from God, we have been broken from God, and if atonement pa- takes place, then we are made at one with God, which is what this week's Bible study has been all about. Mm, absolutely. You know, Jesus praying that he is one with the Father, and that we are one with him, and that those you know that those who his disciples are one with him and those who follow what his disciples teach will become at one with him and atonement is all about at one mint and that's why we have this word right here he is the atonement the at one mint for our sins well i mean the whole study is about unity so you know this is unity with christ christ's unity with god you know yeah. unity in every direction that we can come Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And, of course, why would – why would okay, so the Bible is very clear that sin separates us from God. Sin and God are two things that are mutually exclusive. Why is that so? Why is it that God will have nothing to do with sin? Well, because he's perfect. And sin, oh, no, not so much because he's, just because he's perfect, but God hates sin so much because it separates us from him. And he loves us so much. Okay, but God, God is sovereign, so he could choose not to be separated by sin. Yeah, but I feel like it's like it's like the it's like the flip side to his character. Like you can't have them. It's like they're mutually exclusive. It's one or the other. You can't have both kind of a thing. So what is God's character? God's character is love. So what is sin's character? The opposite of love, which is hey, don't want to say no. Because you can you can uh, you can hate sin because you that's true because you, you love there. is it. Deception, the opposite of love. Mm, this was actually um, this was actually a sermon that we had at Maitland the other day, and uh, clearly I wasn't listening. The same, the, 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 the same question was asked, and I gave exactly the same answer to you. Hate is the opposite of love. Yeah, that's. And true. my son oh. was sitting next to me, and he was like, uh, 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 uh. That's right. Now I remember this now. Oh, what you were there say? as well. That's, yeah, yeah okay. I was remembering. What did Harley say? So I was sitting the other side. Ah, that's right. Selfishness, Selfishness is the opposite of love. And sin is selfishness. I remember sitting next to Harley and he said that and I'm like, man, this kid's grown up and become profound. Because <laughs> he used to be one of my little kids in my Sabbath school <laughs> That's class. right. You used to, used to teach, um, him. teach him. Yeah, yeah, little yeah. ankle biter. Now he's sitting next to me making my mind explode. I was uh-huh. like, no way, of course, selfishness. Yeah. So selfishness is the opposite of love. And okay, so why does God hate selfishness so much? I guess because it's the opposite of love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But why? What? What? He could be like, yeah, it's just they're just being selfish. Not that big of a deal. I guess because the, the like the 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 key, like the the core aspect of love is selflessness. You're going to do theological, Mon. Sorry, I, it's because I did a Bible study yesterday. 
Okay. And it was on this topic. And so I'm like deep in that thought process. <laughs> Let me put it to you simply. The result of sin mm-hmm. and the result of selfishness is pain. There you have it. Okay. Yeah, that End of story. Way more simple than it's just pain. I was going. Yeah. It's just pain. So think about a relationship. Whenever you get selfishness comes into a relationship, what does it create? Pain. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And think of any you know interaction here on this earth. The moment you get selfishness involved, it causes pain. That's right. Uh, every war that has ever been fought is a result of pain. Uh, sorry, results in pain. It's a result of selfishness. Yep. Uh, and you know we could go on and on down through the list. Selfishness is at the root of all all of these sins. And this is why God hates selfishness. This is why God hates sin. This is why God won't have anything to do with sin, and it is mutually exclusive from God. Um, he will not countenance in any way, shape, or form. And this is why God is in the business of getting rid and and and, and you know completely destroying, getting rid of uh, sin. Amen. Never to exist ever, ever, ever. Ever again, mm-hmm. because he is trying to get rid of pain. It's that simple. It's all about getting rid of pain. Amen. Why wouldn't Why wouldn't we love and serve a God like that? Yeah, who has that as his intention? <clears throat> well, most people don't have that view of God. Most people have a view of God that God is actually there to preserve pain. Mm-hmm. That's a little bit scary. Yeah, which we like, talked yeah, about yeah. with the eternal hellfire, hellfire recently. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Going to preserve yeah. pain. Forever and ever and ever and ever. And it's like, well, then if God is going to preserve pain, then he's obviously not against pain. He's for pain. So if God is for pain, then why does he have a problem with sin? Yeah. You know, why does he go and say the wages of sin is death? You know, that's pretty harsh. Don't you think? If, 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 if pain is not a problem, then why would you, why would you go around killing people just because they do something you don't like? But if pain is a problem, then what you're doing is you're killing sin. And you're trying to get rid of sin from the universe. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Okay, so verse 3, moving on from verse 2, we now move to verse 3. Surprise, surprise. Uh, Hereby we know that we know him. So this is, um, yeah, the old English. If we keep his commandments. Mm-hmm. So how do we know? It says, it's simply saying it's like, this is how that we know him. Mine says, and we can be sure that we know him if we obey his commandments. Yeah, this guy's pretty simple, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's pretty straightforward. Very straightforward, very simple right there. All right, so um, why is it then that people are so much against the commandments? Yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? They think it's some sort of curtailing of their freedom, mm-hmm. but it's not. Okay, so I'm, I'm, I was actually doing some thinking about this. Mm-hmm. Which is the one commandment that is the most hated out of all of them? The Sabbath, the fourth. No. It's not the fourth. No. Is it the first? No. I should have another gods before me. No. Mm. no. I was doing some thinking about this, and I'm actually going to post up a two cents on it. Uh, because when you, you know, your average worldly person out there, if you come to them and say, hey, have a day off once a week. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're down with that. They're down with yeah. that. Um, now, the Sabbath can, tends to cop a lot of flack from Christians, but I'm talking about the whole world. So, a lot of Christians are like, oh, you're curtailing my freedom if you say I have to have it on on uh, on Saturday rather than on whichever day I choose. Uh, don't blame me. I didn't write the Bible. Uh huh. Um, and I'm not God. So, you know, that's it, not. T- talk to God about that. Is the most hated one not thou shalt have no other gods before me? That could be argued. That could be, yeah. Could be argued because you could say, okay, that's at the root of all of them. Actually, I know we've been having a lot of controversy re- controversy recently about abortion. Maybe it's thou shalt not kill. <laughs> nope, it's not even that one. Um, 
I'll tell you which one it is. Oh, oh, is it covet? It's thou shalt not commit adultery. Really? You think about this for a moment. If you took that one commandment out of the Ten Commandments, uh-huh. nobody in the world would have a problem with the Ten Commandments. You reckon? Yeah. Why? They just wouldn't. That's, that's, the, that's the one that is based on that one that they will break the first one. Like, oh, I'm not going to have anything to do with God because he's trying to tell me what to do in the bedroom. Ah, uh, I see. Uh <laughs> you know, your average worldly person is like, yeah, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal. These are good things. Mm-hmm. You know, honor your parents, that's mm-hmm. great. You know, and it goes on and on down through the list, but they come to that one, it's like, uh, 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 uh. Yeah, I'll do what I want here. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why you've got 365 million abortions that take place every year is because, you know, people like, no, we don't want to obey that commandment. And um, wasn't there? And, and, and I recognise that people, in a moment of passion, fall into fall into um, you know into sin and do silly things that they regret later. Mm-hmm. But you don't. The, the, the solution for one bad mistake is not a second, even yeah, worse that's mistake. True. That's true. It wasn't there an entire religion that sprung out of um, a king who wanted to not have to do with this adultery law. And he, um, the Church of England or something, when he was like, no, I don't want to, I want to divorce my wife and have a different wife. And the church said no. So he was like, forget that and started his own church. Yeah, it's the Anglican Church. That's how the Anglican Church Oh, the, it's the Anglican yeah. Church. So That's yeah. Anglican High Church. Okay. Not Anglican Low Church. Anglican Low Church came out of the Great Reformation of the 16th century. It's an evangelical church. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a Bible-based, you know, salvation by grace church. The Anglican High Church simply replaced the Pope with the king. Okay. Or the queen or the, the head of state. Um, so they just basically continued on with the same thing as before and a few minor changes here and there and confiscated all the church's property, became very wealthy in the process. Um, went th- uh, Henry VIII went through a bunch of different wives and, um, yeah, the rest is history. And that was no longer a problem because they changed that sort of law with the tenure of the wives? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 So the, the Catholic Church has given Christianity a very bad name, Um you know, in respect to some of these laws, because they've had a an unbiblical stance on you know things like separation and divorce, um, uh, these kinds of issues, which then the rest of Christianity, of course, gets branded with. Pope Francis, to his credit, has tried to make some changes, but you know, not necessarily in a biblical way. And now you've got a new Protestant movement rising up amongst conservative Catholics. Who are uh, you know attacking Pope Francis for the changes that he's making? Um, but uh, of course, then you've got the problems of papal infallibility and papal succession and the Holy Spirit speaking through the Pope, and you know it becomes a bit of a nightmare. Yeah, yeah. I still. So think where do you go with this? What do you do with it? Yeah, it's it's tricky. I still think they should do away with confessional boxes and celibacy, though. <laughs> oh, absolutely, yeah. no question. And you know, there's a lot of things that. Uh, that um, you know, really, really desperately need to go. You know, and, and Pope Francis was hinting at getting rid of you know celibacy or making some exceptions to celibacy, and it's like, yes, about time. You know, let's get back to the Bible, mm-hmm. um, and and you know, and, and do it as the Bible says. But um, yeah, interesting to uh, to watch what takes place in the world. But anyway, the Bible says this is how we know God. If we keep his commandments. Including the ones that you might not like. Including the ones you don't mm-hmm. like. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. That's right. All right. So verse 4 in my translation, it says, He that says, I know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. Okay. So John was a very simple person. 
and he writes in very simple ways. He's not theological like Paul, and he's not diplomatic like Paul either. This guy was a fisherman, and so he writes like a fisherman. He's like, okay, this uh, might offend you all, and you'll accuse me all of being judgmental and all the rest, but I'm just going to write it how it is. If you say you know God and you don't keep his commandments, you're a liar. Mm. And you're not living in the truth. Yeah. <laughs> End of story. It's, uh, you know, and then we get all these people like, oh, you know, we don't keep the commandments of God, though, and now it's the cross. Um, you know, the dispensation of grace is done away with the, with the uh, law of God. I'm thinking, wait a minute, what do you need grace for? Yeah. If you, sin, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. What is sin? If there's no law, Breaking there's the no law sin. Of God. Mm-hmm. If there's no law, there's no sin, there's no grace. What are, you, what are you even talking about grace for if there is no law? There would be no problem if there was no law, like yeah. in terms of separation from God. It doesn't make a, uh, a shred of sense right there. Uh, continuing on, what, what, read that one. Read verse 4 of... Four for us in the modern translation there. If someone claims I know God but doesn't obey God's commandments, that person is a liar and is not living in the truth. Yeah, that's pretty straightforward. Read for us verse 5. But those who obey God's word truly show how completely they love him. That is how we know we are living in him. Okay, this really, I I like the way it puts it there because it, it shows the motivation for obeying God's law. Yeah. Do we obey God's law so that we can be saved according to that verse? No, not at all. Do we obey God's law so that we can get to heaven? Mm -mm. Do we obey God's law so that we can um, become wealthy? No. Why does the Bible say that we obey God's law in that passage? Because we love him. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And so law keeping is not the means of salvation. Law keeping is the evidence of salvation. So then let's reverse that equation and let's say that we become a law breaker. Yeah. And we use this justification, this self, oh, I'm under grace, I'm under grace. Um, therefore, I can break the law of God. What does that say about our heart? You mean if we're repentant? No, no, if, we, if we're saying, you know, I'm, 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 I'm under grace, therefore I can break the law of God. I can break it to oh, my heart's content. You're not really in, in love with God. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, you just want to live your own life, find a loophole. You know, you know your focus is not... Loving That's God. exactly what it is all about. Your right focus there. is serving yourself, i.e., selfishness. Yeah, the opposite of love. Yep, it's I'll serve God as long as it's on my terms. Mm-hmm. If God objects to my terms, then uh, um, I will change. You know how I view God and say, "Oh, uh, um, I still serve God." But the reality is that John here says, "If you break His commandments, sorry, but." You're not serving God, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and this is one of the this is this is where pride comes in, yeah, which really really disturbs me because so many people know that they're not serving God, mm-hmm. and they know that the that the life that they're living is wrong, but they're too proud to admit that and to come to God and to receive forgiveness, and no one's ever 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 going to receive freedom from guilt until they receive forgiveness, yeah. You know, they'll try their entire life to deal with those issues and those issues are going to haunt them their entire life until they're prepared to admit that actually, you know what, I was wrong and I need to receive forgiveness. And when a person truly experiences the grace of God and truly experiences the forgiveness that God provides, it is a transforming experience. When that weight of guilt rolls off their shoulders, they become a new person. 
You know, you talk about the story of Pilgrim's Progress and the burden that he was carrying around. When you go to the foot of the cross and that burden goes rolling down the hill and it's gone and it's never coming back again, that is one of the greatest experiences that a human being can ever have. And if you have guilt in your life, if there is something in your life that is disturbing you and breaking your connection with God, take it to Jesus today. That's the only place you'll ever find freedom. with This Is My Father's World here on Faith FM as we continue our encounter with God. Mon, First John chapter 2 and verse 6. What have you got for us there? That says, those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. Okay, so John here writes in a very simple way and he outlines a couple of things that, you know, because obviously people are walking around saying, yes, we believe in God, we're followers of God, we're followers of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And he's going, um, you know what? You're actually not. Yeah. You're making yourself feel good, but that's all, because you're actually not. Mm-hmm. And so he outlines, all right, if you actually are, this is what you're going to do. Number one, you're going to live by God's commandments. Number two, you're going to walk even as Jesus walked. And if you're not walking as Jesus walked, 
you're not actually living your life as Jesus lived his life. Mm-hmm. This is this is the simple, hard, you know, mm-hmm. reality of what we find right here in uh, this particular passage. Okay, so let's go over to the Gospel of John now. John has quite a bit to talk about what it means to be one with Jesus and to be united with him and through that to find unity with each other and unity with God. Uh, Let's go to John chapter 13 and let's read verse 33 and 34, please. 33 and 34 says, Dear children, I will be with you only a little while. And as I told the Jewish leaders, you will search for me, but you can't come where I am going. So now I am giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Thank you. So Jesus here gives his disciples a new commandment. He begins by saying, hey, you know what? I'm not going to be here for much longer. Mm -hmm. But then he goes on and says, look, I'm giving you a new commandment. Um, so that you know that you love one another, even as I loved you. When Jesus gives them a new commandment, does that do away with the old ten commandments? No. Has Jesus said, "Look, I'm giving you a new commandment. This one's going to supersede the other commandments, and so you don't need to worry about those anymore. They've been done away with. Um, I just want you to follow this one commandment." No, it's just the same as if someone gave you a new shirt. It doesn't mean they're insisting that you chuck out all the rest of your other shirts. It just means you have another shirt. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So does that mean then mean that we have 11 commandments? Well, we could say all the instructions that God gave us, that Jesus gave us while he was on earth, you know, could be commandments. But when you talk about the 10 commandments, you know, this isn't yeah, like and this is and this, this is, is, this, like is a summary. this is worded in the way of the 10 commandments. That's exactly right. It mm-hmm. is a summary. In fact, if you go over to It's Romans, like he's nutshelled the 10 commandments. Yeah, think about yeah. this. Think about this. Your first four commandments mm-hmm. are all about what? Loving God. And your last six commandments are all about what? Loving each other. Exactly. Go over to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter... No, not chapter 6. Let's go Let's go somewhere else in Romans. Let's go to Romans chapter 13 and verse 10. Romans 13 and verse 10. Love does no wrong to others, so love fulfills the requirements of God's law. Okay, so when you look at this particular passage right here, what you simply find is that um, love is the fulfilling of the law. The first four commandments are about love to God. The last six commandments are about love to each other. Therefore, the commandments are all about love. God's character is what? Love. Therefore, the commandments are all about God's character. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Um, and so Jesus comes along and says, I'm going to give you a new commandment. You love one another. He's not actually giving them a new commandment. He is giving them a, a new perspective on the commandments that have already existed. This is a summary of all of them. It's very interesting because I've heard people use this verse to to try and do away with the Ten Commandments. They've said, to Yeah, me, yeah, yeah. I can break any one of the Ten Commandments I want to. I just love God. Yeah, yeah. Because, you know, you know, you know, it says, Your love does no wrong to others. So love fulfills the requirements of the law. So I, you know, I love God and I love people. So I can know, live I just, as immoral a life yeah, as I want. Yeah. And it's like, no, it's basically saying, like, you know, Love is is the fulfillment of the law because the law is about how to love. Exactly, it's like an instruction on how to love God and how to love each other. And if you actually follow the Ten Commandments, you'd realize, you know, not killing each other and not cheating on each other and not lying to each other. These are all things you you should do when you love each other. Yep. So yeah, it's it's not in any way doing away. It's exemplifying how to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Absolutely. All right, so um, we've got this passage here, you know, and, and it reminds me of what Jesus says in another place. Let me actually find this back in the book of Matthew, where um, Matthew, 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 chapter. Let me find this real quick. It's somewhere late in Matthew. Um, let's try Matthew chapter 22, verse 37, 38, and 39. 39. Jesus replied, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second and equally important, love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. Okay, that's a pretty simple passage right there, Very isn't simple. It? Very simple. Um, you actually read too far because you read verse 40. Oh, my bad. Yeah. Sorry. You're not supposed to read verse 40. I'm sorry. Um, Christians are supposed to ignore verse 40. Oh, oh we are? Yeah, 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 absolutely. <laughs> so often people have come to me with this passage right here and they've said, see, Jesus did away with the Ten Commandments and he replaced them with two. <laughs> love God and love your neighbor. Guess what? In mm. this passage right here, Jesus is quoting from the Old Testament, the book of Leviticus. Oh, really? Leviticus and Deuteronomy, you're going to find exactly the same law. Mm-hmm. And what it is in Leviticus and Deuteronomy is a summary of the Ten Commandments. first four commandments are about loving God. The last six are about loving each other. Um, Jesus says, love God and love each other. Yeah. He's not doing away with the Ten Commandments. He's summarizing the Ten Commandments. This is why you're not allowed to read verse 40. Because, it because if you says, want to do away yeah. with the law of God, you cannot read verse 40. Because it says they're based on these two commandments. The whole law. Uh-huh. The whole law is based on these two commandments right here. He's, 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 ex- he's explaining the law. He's, you know, he's elaborating. The, yeah, the he's reason not doing behind it. He's telling us it. why he made this particular law right mm-hmm, here. Mm-hmm. You know, because he, uh, he loves us. That's right. Um, and, uh, and this is what our relationship with God is all about. Okay, so um, when we consider the fact that um, you know so many people try and do away with the law of God, you've got to ask yourself why. You know, why is it they want to do away with the law of God? Is the law of God arbitrary? No. You know, many people would say that um, you know the law of God is based on you know moral absolutes that are created, um, you know, by an outside source. Um, and that because you know Christians accept the sovereignty of God, that's why we accept these moral absolutes. But I would argue that all of these moral absolutes that we find here are based on the same principle that secular people base their morality on, and that is the principle of do no harm. That's right. It blows my mind that people want to do away with the law, actually, because if you look at the law, you know, it's all about loving each other and if keeping the law brings us into unity with God and the law is exemplifying God's character, a character of love, then why why wouldn't we want to keep the law and be as close to God's character as humanly possible? Why wouldn't why would we be chasing disunity? Like disunity is exactly the 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 outcome of not keeping the law. We have disunity with God, we have disunity with each other. Yeah. And you think about this, okay, you, you, we, we talked earlier about the one law that everybody hates and that is thou shalt not commit adultery. This is the one that worldly people will fight against the most. Mm-hmm. They're not going to argue with you if you say don't ki- steal, don't kill, honour your parents, that kind of thing, but they will argue with you on this one. But, you know, consider what the world would be like if this did play, take place. There'd be a 365 million people that would not die as a result every year. There would be, you know, um, 56 
um, so many people. I'm just missing the the stats here that um, that would not um, have um, sexually transmitted diseases. Um, there would be so much less loneliness. There would be so much more sex that would be happening because you know married people have so much more sex than single people have. Um, you know, we could go on and on and on down through the. Uh, I'm just looking for the, for the. Oh, 365 million sexually transmitted infections per year would disappear Amen. just by keeping this law. Wow. So does God love us or not? Absolutely. Here I get the the, the figures correct. 56 million innocent babies' lives would not be taken each year. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's these are massive, massive figures that research has brought to us. That's the World Health Organization uh, fact sheet 2016, uh, Good Market Institute 2014, National Abortion Federation 2003. This is where these stats are coming from, and this is what we, what we know our world would look like. Our world would be an, a vastly and infinitely better place if we just... Uh, kept, the commandments. kept the commandments. I think if you looked at every single commandment and the stats involved, like, it would be the same, the same. thing. Be You're going to find thing. exactly the same thing. Mm-hmm. All right, we need to move on. This is Chelsea Moon with Tis So Sweet. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus Just to take Him at His word Just to rest upon his promise just to know thus says the Lord oh how sweet to trust in Jesus just to trust his cleansing blood and in simple faith to plunge me neath the
they're living far longer and far happier than most people in the world. And now, their secret's out. Six regions have been identified as blue zones, places where people experience holistic health, and it's doing them a lot of favors. So do yourself a favor and come along to the free Rethink Health workshops, where we will explore six core principles of health and longevity proven through the Blue Zones at the Swansea Center Sunday, October 7, October 14, and October 21st. From 5 p.m. is where you'll find us. For more information, call 0402-528-869 or search for the Rethink Health event on Facebook.
Back, guys. That was Derry Doherty with All to Jesus, I Surrender, here on Faith FM. It is time for Question of the Day, part two from yesterday. Before we do that, I'm going to give you two clues for this quiz because we're behind, we are behind with a couple we? of clues. Okay, I'm going to give you two. All right, you ready? Mm. This animal, what creature am I? Mm. This animal is mentioned in the parable of the Good Samaritan, and Balaam had one of these, and it rebuked him verbally because he beat it three times. Oh, funniest story in the whole Bible. Yeah, it was pretty Love funny. that story. Don't talk about it. Ah. Don't give it away, you are. <laughs> All right, so what have we got coming up for uh, part, two of our, part two of our question of the day? Yes, part two of question of the day. So we have uh, part two to our question from yesterday, which was what is the abomination of the desolation? We got halfway through. Now it's time for the rest of the answer. So yesterday we noted the historical uh, fulfillment of this prophecy by Jesus in Matthew 24 when he said, When therefore you shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place, whoever reads, let him understand, let him flee. And what happened was when the Romans came and they camped around Israel, they were camping in a two-mile exclusion zone around the city where no trade was to take place by Gentiles on the Sabbath day. This was called the holy place. When they saw Romans with their gods standing in that holy place, they recognized it was time to flee. They left the city. The Romans, After the Romans left, the Romans came back after the Christians had left and no Christians were lost in the siege of Jerusalem. That's a historical application. But with Matthew 24, of course, the disciples are asking about the second coming of Jesus. And so they want to know, you know, more details about what this is actually all about. And to understand that, we're going to flick back over to Daniel chapter 8, where this is spoken of. In verse 13, it says, I heard one saint speaking to another saint, which said that certain saint which spoke, how long shall be the vision? Now, in some translations, such as the one I'm reading from here, the King James Version, there are some added in words that are not in the original. So I'm just going to leave those out because they're not in the original. Uh, how long shall be the vision concerning um, the, 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 the daily or the continual and the transgression of desolation to give both the sanctuary and the host to be trodden underfoot. And so what you have here very simply is two kinds of desolation. You have the continual, the daily, the always there desolation. You know, paganism has always been there as a desolating force in the world. And then you have this new form that comes along, which is called the transgression or the abomination of desolation. And so transgression, obviously, if somebody, if something or someone is going to transgress, they need to break something. They need to be in a good place and able to do that bad thing. So that you know, your continual desolation has always been bad, but this one comes about as a result of transgression. Um, and this is talking about the abomination of desolation that stands in the holy place. Paul picks up this theme over in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. So if we flick over to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 very quickly, we can read about it here. In verse 3 it says, Let no man deceive you by any means. For that day the return of Jesus will not come unless there comes a falling away first and the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition. 
who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he, as God, sits in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Here we find the Antichrist sitting in the holy place, uh, so to speak. And so what we find here with the abomination of desolation, not only does the abomination of desolation refer to the events of the Roman soldiers around Jerusalem, but it also refers to the Antichrist. When the Antichrist sits in the center of God's church, when he puts himself forward as, you know, the Bible describes here as the son of perdition, that was Judas. Judas was the son of perdition, and he was one of the disciples who was closest to Jesus. He looked the most righteous. He helped the poor. He said all the right things, and yet he was corrupt at his heart. And the Bible says at the end of time that we need to be aware of those who come in as wolves in sheep's clothing. They look like sheep. They sit in the center of God's church, at the very center of Christianity. They are the ones who are helping the poor. Uh, they are the ones who are appearing to do lots of good things. And yet the Bible says that these are, that this is actually referring to the Antichrist here. And so we need to understand you know, exactly who is the Antichrist, what is it that is taking place uh, at this particular time point. Thank you very much, Lyle. That was part two to... Part three, question. part three tomorrow. Part, oh, do you mean tomorrow's a weekend? There's still, another, there's still another aspect of this. <laughs> Give us a call if you have a question. Our number here is 1-800-FAITH-FM. Thank you, Lyle, and we look forward to, I guess, the next part. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
That was Josh Cunningham with Emmanuel here on Faith FM. And we have come to the end of the show, which means that we get to give something away, Mon. Yes, it's time for Freebase. Give us a call right now, 1-800-FAITH-FM, 1-800-324-843. Be the first person to call us through, and, and you will get a copy. And we have been talking all about Bible prophecy for the last yes. quads. I'm yes. going to quads, question of the day. Yeah, that's quads. it. <laughs> the last, I quads. like that word. <laughs> quads. Yeah, yeah, it's cool. works for me. Uh, we're going to be giving away uh, a book by Stephen Bohr called Prophecies, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Ooh. I wonder what that one's all about. On the back it says, Probably no topic has caused more fiery debate among evangelical churches and atheistic skeptics in recent years than the relationship between church and state. One side claims the two should be divided by a wall of separation, while the other believes Christians and government should team up as partners in the battle against immorality. But who is right? Who is going to win? And what does this debate mean for your faith today? Pastor Stephen Borg provides in-depth insight into the question through the powerful lens of Bible prophecy, detailing the major players now already active in the world who will battle it out in the coming crisis of good versus evil. Well, anyone who reads their history will know that whenever you get a unity of church and state together, you get disaster of epic Mm -hmm. proportions. That's it. That's it. So if you'd like a copy of this particular book, then give us a call. 1-800-324-843 is our number or text us on 0491-064-669 to receive your copy. Prophecies, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. There you go. Interesting. And of course, don't forget, if you would like to know more about the Bible, we would love to make those arrangements for you. We can set up Bible studies in any part of Australia where you are listening from. Just give us a call and we can make that happen. We have a number of avenues, uh, whatever will work for you best. So you can study the Bible by small group, which is, uh, that's my favorite, I guess. Uh, because that way you can sit around and discuss and just mm-hmm. talk and chat and share ideas and learn from each other. Or you can study the Bible one-on-one if you'd like some uh, some one-on-one uh, tutoring um, or correspondence or online or otherwise. Strength